Let's talk about sleep. We all need it. We all love it. But how much is enough? How much is too much, if there's even such a thing? It's hard to know. Like, we know the general principle here, that it's important that we get a good night's sleep. That not enough sleep can be pretty detrimental to our health. And in fact, going without sleep for prolonged periods uh, can really mess with us in, in some really weird ways. But it's hard to know how much is enough. Like, if you ask the average individual, like, do you get enough sleep? How would they know what the answer is? I mean, if you feel okay, if you don't feel tired, maybe that's a good enough guide. Like, how hung up should we get on, on some of these numbers? So we've had a couple of studies come out in, in recent weeks that, I guess, inform us maybe as much as they do still raise questions. So, for example, one recent study uh, suggests that getting less than seven or eight hours of sleep each night might not be so bad, maybe not as harmful as we've been led to believe. Uh, there was a study that came out just before that last week uh, that said there's some positive effects associated with daytime napping, which is then another question, not just how much sleep do we get at night. Are we getting enough in between sleep? So joining us to, to talk a bit more about what the evidence tells us, how people you know, should try to sort all of this out and, and what to take from all of these different studies. Very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Dr. Michael Mack, sleep medicine specialist at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. Dr. Mack, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. I'm delighted to be here. So does this you know, help clear things up, these new studies? Do they kind of muddle the picture a little bit more? What are, what are your thoughts? I think interpretation of the results is the most important thing. Um, the the first study uh, that talks about uh, napping and how that might affect our cognition, right? You know, measuring things like reaction time and visual memory, that study shows that uh, for people with a propensity to habitually nap during the daytime, they seem to have a larger brain but the part of the brain that uh, is mainly controlling our memory was not any bigger than usual, and there were no advantages to reaction time and visual memory. Hmm. So, uh, you know, those results don't push us to prescribe widespread napping. Uh, if anything, it just tells us <laughs> we need to look into this more. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of what people worry about is, you know, when, when something is seen to be beneficial, if people aren't doing that thing, they, they start to worry. But as you're saying, I mean, if you don't currently nap during the day, you're, you're okay. Don't worry about that, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, first off, like uh, nobody's hardwired or required to have daytime naps. You know, whatever duration of sleep you get uh, in the 24-hour period, as long as you wake up and you feel refreshed and you can get through your daily responsibilities, and that's all you need. Obviously, you know, we do have an internal body clock, our circadian rhythm, that dictates certain parts of our day will be more alert and at others less so. So as an example, after lunch, most of us will have a dip in our alertness. And in that situation, if you choose to take a short nap, something like 5 minutes to 30 minutes in length, that you might feel refreshed thereafter. But that's not necessary. It, it, I, I would say that for the people that benefit from those types of naps, they can continue with that. But uh, if you're getting by without it, then that's fine too. Well, I think for some people, the naps are almost fill in the, the gap where maybe they don't get enough sleep at night. Like if you only get four or five hours of sleep at, of, uh, at night, and then you nap for two or three hours in the day, does that still add up to you know seven or eight hours of sleep? Or do we view it differently because it's split up or broken up? Um, the, the two 
different. So the two scenarios, I would say, are, are not exactly the same. So you have the, you know, the first person who sleeps maybe seven to eight hours when it's dark out in one long, long continuous uh, session. And then you have other folks maybe who, who generally are older, you know, age 65 and above. They have a tendency to have shorter sleep at night when it's dark out. And then to compensate for the lost hours of sleep at night, some of those folks will end up having to nap during the daytime to compensate. So we know that up to a third of older adults will nap during the day so that they can achieve that seven to eight hour average per 24 hours. Um, you know, it remains to be seen, though, if there's any sort of um, disadvantage, you know, uh, to having to nap during the daytime to make up for lost sleep at night. Um, but as long as you feel good, that's what I would say. Just keep doing it. Yeah. And so that, and, and yeah, and that, that partly answers, you know, with the other study that says maybe don't get too hung up on seven or eight hours, that maybe these numbers are a little bit arbitrary. What's the history of, you know, the eight hour recommendation? What, you know, is, where, where did that come from, first of all? Yeah, like uh, the seven to eight hour recommendation is, is pretty much an average uh, of, you know, what we observe people uh, requiring uh, in terms of nighttime sleep so that they can uh, feel restored during the day and to, to remain healthy. But that requirement changes throughout one's lifespan. So case in point, newborns will sleep 15 to, to 17 hours a day. And as you get older and older, you end up sleeping fewer hours and fewer hours, such that a person who's maybe 16 years old gets eight hours flat, a person who's 33 to 45 might get 78 hours. And then later on in life, let's say when you hit the age of 70, you at, at nighttime when it's dark out, you might only get five hours of sleep and then you have to make up for the rest during the day. So as we get older, our sleep requirements uh, do decrease, or at least our ability to sustain sleep decreases. Mm-hmm. And why it matters. I mean, there's really fascinating kind of evolutionary histories to why we sleep or need to sleep in the first place. But, you know, you mentioned for kids, the importance of getting a good night's sleep when it comes to their growth. I think, you know, for kids and adults, you mentioned, you know, just cognitive awareness or cognition. Um, But why else does it matter? What are the consequences health-wise of not getting enough sleep? Yeah, like uh, when we when we studied folks that have too little sleep, and that's defined as less than six hours a night, so anywhere between five and less, mm-hmm. we know that there's an association between that curtailed amount of sleep and an increase in incidence of cardiovascular issues, things like high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and now we're seeing an association with uh, perhaps uh, problems with memory uh, later on in life and an association with dementia. Wow. Uh, you know, this came up a lot during the pandemic in terms of, you know, our, our immune system. Is there a link between our, our immunity, our ability to uh, handle or take on diseases? Is there a link with sleep? Do we know? Yeah, like uh, we do see that there is an increased risk of infection uh, and, and that would translate to a decreased immunity. Uh, again, for people with curtailed sleep, people that are sleeping fewer than six hours a night. So, um, you know, in addition to uh, its role in immunity and and, uh, fighting infections, we know that, you know, there's growth that's associated with uh, sleep, especially if you're a young person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But throughout your life, you know, sleep is also involved with things like memory consolidation and learning. So, you know, from studying uh, the different stages of sleep, we like to think that a person having REM sleep or dream sleep, that uh, stage of sleep can be associated with procedural memory. So let, let's say if you're learning how to play a guitar or a piano, you might be consolidating your learning in that stage of sleep. And for factual learning, so remembering numbers and facts, that might have to do with deep sleep. 
you know, there are people who, who claim or brag that they can get by on, on less sleep and maybe some of those people are ignoring some warning signs, but there are some exceptions. Like there are some people who legitimately can function on, on fewer hours of sleep. And I don't know if it's, it's something genetic that's different. What do we know about those cases or those kinds of individuals? Yeah, like uh, there, there are uh, a very small uh, subset of the population that genetically they only need uh, a very short amounts of sleep. Uh, I've even seen folks that only sleep three hours a night, but they don't seem to incur any uh, penalty, you know, to their to their daytime functioning. Yeah. They don't seem to have that increased risk of you know high blood pressure and cardiovascular risks. Um, but you know that that seems to be a genetic factor. We're not entirely sure how and who uh, will have this. Uh, but they, those are just folks that have more hours of the day to work with and uh, could be a good thing or a bad thing. In terms of what affects our sleep, I know there's a lot of concern about technology and electronics and our devices and how that, that messes with our sleep, maybe other factors of stress, and that's been more present in our lives in recent years. What should people be watching out for in terms of what might be uh, affecting or interfering with, with getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, like you, you touched on a, a great point, which is, you know, uh, now that uh, everybody has a smartphone in their pocket, and you know most people have laptops and uh, tablet uh, devices at home. You know these technologies, unfortunately, do impair our sleep at night, especially if, you're, if we are using it close to our bedtime. For the reason the screens have the same blue wavelength light that tricks our brains into thinking it's daytime, and in, in which case uh, our natural melatonin secretion, which is the neurotransmitter that tells us it's time to go to sleep is being suppressed and that can damage our sleep at night. So avoiding uh, exposure to uh, LCD screens at night would be a good thing for our sleep. Well, some good advice, some helpful tips. We'll leave it there. Uh, Dr. Mack, appreciate your insight uh, on all of this. Thanks for making some time for us here today.